Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just so weird, isn't it? Do people say stuff like that? I apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism, and I have a little pool here, and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism. No, baptism is a sacred Christian rite. All the various yogas are sacred Hindu rites. Wake up, America! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, there go our ratings. This is Wretched Radio. Have you heard? CRT is alive and well in Illinois, and a church is revealing just how deeply and profoundly bad critical race theory is. And because of that, Jimmy, last time I checked with you, you're white. Is that correct, sir? Yes. All right. And I also happen to be white. In fact, blazing white. (laughs) It's a little sun, if you don't mind me saying so. (laughs) Don't wear shorts because it would scare the children and blind people while they're driving. The point is, You and I cannot be listened to by a church in Illinois because they are fasting from whiteness. The irony about this is so profound. It's a church that is a united church, which means it's going to be wonky because anytime you see that word, most of the time it's a pretty good rule. You're looking at something that's a little off the rails. So here's the story of the church and see if you can smell the irony in our worship services throughout Lent. So this is a Lenten fast in preparation for Easter, a fast from whiteness. We will not be using any music or liturgy written or composed by white people. Now, try to say that in a positive way. I'm going to give it a go. If, if you've never done any voice work, uh, perhaps you haven't heard that if you want it to sound lighter and brighter, You need to smile while you're talking, and that just makes it sound a little cheerier because you can't be harsh sounding when you're smiling like the Joker. But I'm going to give this a go. In our worship services throughout Lent, we'll not be using any music or liturgy written or composed by white people. It still has the same import. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Because something was written By a white person, we're fasting from it. To what end? I don't know. Fasting is typically used in order to discipline ourselves to be constantly mindful of prayer. Ooh, my tummy rumbled. That means I need to pray. It also demonstrates to God we're really earnest about this, Lord. What a fast from whiteness has to do with any of that is a mystery to me. The New York Post continues, our music will be drawn from the African-American spiritual tradition, from South African freedom songs, from Native American traditions, and many, many more. What is this? It's critical race theory. Now, you think that this sounds extraordinary. This is where it goes. This is the inevitability of it. It separates and it gives a marker inside of Christendom that simply should not exist black Christian, white Christian, Hispanic Christian. No, Christian. Happen to be white. You happen to be black. You happen to be Hispanic. That's the word order. CRT? No, no, no. It puts skin color at the front. It's the adjective that defines everything. Now, here's the irony for you, if you don't mind me saying so. 
For Lent, it is our prayer that in our spiritual disciplines, we may grow as Christians. Here it comes. United in the body of Christ. Hold on. It gets even more absurd. United in the body of Christ with people of all ages, nations, races, and origins. Now, if you read this on your cell phone, you're going to have to use your pointer and your thumb to expand it because right over the word of races, they've got an asterisk. And then on the bottom, it says, except white people. Pretty much what it's saying right there. <laughs> so... Here, here's uh, here's here's some more ironing. They're they're not going to use anything written by white people. Mm-hmm. Yet the pastor is white. <laughs> well, there's to, that, and has to write a sermon. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they're fasting from him. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, will he be leading the church service? Can you can you go to a church service with white people? They would be breaking their fast, wouldn't they? This is. It's so outrageous. It's so outlandish. It so plays into our secular worldview, which I think can help us to determine how do we talk about these issues? This is a sociological issue that is imported into the church. Recently had a, what did we eat? A lunch, a lunch with Daryl Harrison. I can't remember. We were at a little, were we in Douglasville? I think so. We were in Douglasville at a little diner by a railroad track, nifty little town in Georgia. And we talked about this subject and this issue. And one of the most profoundly helpful things that he said as we filmed this, it's a new Breaking Bread episode. We're probably going to be releasing it in a few months, something like that. And I said to Daryl, how do we talk to people about this? How, how do you engage somebody on the subject of racism when you've got one side whose heels are dug in and you've got another side where heels are dug in? It's two different perspectives. How do you bridge that gap? And his surprising answer was you don't because you can't. You can't have a sociological conversation and persuade somebody, you know what, you're right. That is an issue worthy of my consideration. It just doesn't happen. His encouragement was lift the conversation out of the sociological and into the biblical. Let everything be framed by Bible, 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 because even though the Bible may not persuade them, at least you're using the word of God, which has power, and you you are citing an authority, the authority, which gives it some um as opposed to, well, I, I saw this thing on, uh, on Fox News. Yeah, well, I saw something on CNN. Okay, that can go on forever. Instead, bring in the Bible. Make this a theological issue. And you can scoot, for instance, to Genesis 3. You can read throughout the book of Ephesians from Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. And even going into chapter 3, it deals with the issue of, we'll just use the vernacular of the peasantry, racism. It, it should be ethnicism, but nevertheless, there's only one race. We'll use the terminology racism. What's the cure? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means if we want to see this gap bridged, we need to be evangelizing, we need to be preaching, we need to be teaching, because you can't have a conversation in this realm 
and come out anywhere near on top. Jimmy points out rightly, wait a second, it's a white pastor. Is he going to be leading the service? Wait a second. Did any white people build that building? Then you can't be in the building. Uh Uh-oh. Did any white people build the sidewalk or the fence? Oh, got to tear it down? Which is exactly what this is all about. It's entirely impractical. It's illogical. And it's certainly not biblical. A fast from whiteness. Oofta. Could it get any more deeply, profoundly divided than that? As long as we're on the subject... Tabidi Anyabwile, he is a proponent of critical theory. To some degree, we never get a whole lot of clarity from Tabidi. I've, I've tried. I've spoken to him for about an hour, and I ended up more confused than having clarity about the subject of, air quotes, racism. Tabidi has announced that he's leaving evangelicalism. All right. So he doesn't want to be associated with evangelicalism anymore. Why? Well, it's over this subject. The Twitter announcement came three days after a New York Times story quoted him as saying he's lost 20-year friendships in recent years due to a changing evangelical and political landscape. Well, that's not entirely revealing. It has to do with the subject of CRT and racism and wokeism. That's the I'm sure the presidential stuff, election stuff plays a hand in it. But this is another example of what CRT does. So bye-bye, Tabidi, because he's adhering to some aspects of CRT. It's inevitable. That's, this is what it does. We're not going to sing any hymns written by white people? Whoa. From the article, is there a place where we can go to file a legion or application to no longer be classified as evangelical, especially of the socio-political variety. What happens when you bring it into the church as socio-political? Division, division. We must make these conversations exclusively biblical. My theological commitments, said Tabidi, now here it comes, have not changed. They are rooted in my understanding of the Bible, not in evangelical shibboleths. Um, well, if you're... Theology hasn't changed. What has? It would appear, therefore, what Tabidi has been believing all along is now simply being revealed. Has his core theology changed? Take him at his word, no. But he does have a theology that must be infused by CRT. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeing the division that we are seeing in the church and we wouldn't even be seeing the division of Tabidi Anyabwile leaving evangelicalism. Moral to the story, CRT, it's alive and deadly. And if we want to have productive conversations, I think we need to put it into a closet, lock it up, bring out our Bibles, and teach from the Word. This is Wretched Radio. Be careful. Be very, very careful, my cold-hearted conservative friend, because this just might melt your heart if you are a supporter of preborn.org slash wretched, providing ultrasounds, ultrasound machines, and sonograms. Careful, this might just melt your heart. That sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. 
Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. You're giving love when you support preborn because a mommy sees a baby in the womb, courtesy of an ultrasound machine, and 80% of the time keeps the baby. $28 an ultrasound, or perhaps you might be of the means to provide an actual ultrasound machine if you can. Oh, they need them, and they'll put them to work, and it'll show some love. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today, and get ready to take some notes because I'm about to save you from being canceled by your very own kids. Are you being a sharent? You know, the person who shares way too much about their personal life on social media? Yeah, if you're looking at the radio all crazy right now, I'm likely talking about you. But look, don't get offended, just get better. How, you may ask? Simple. Spend less time on social media and more time at Wretched.org. You may have noticed the Wretched website recently got a facelift. And you'll find the new look easier to navigate and locate all of our amazing, yes, amazing content. Like full daily Wretched TV and radio episodes, the Wretched store is loaded with tons of new resources, and the donate page has complete information on how you can become a monthly ongoing gospel partner. So stop embarrassing your kids. Don't be a sharent. Spend your time instead at Wretched.org. It just hits different. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Confession. Normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Books of the Bible The Book of Psalms is a collection of divinely inspired songs of praise for every season in life. There are songs of lament, thanksgiving, praise, celebration, and remembrance of God's mighty deeds, all to help us find our soul's delight in God in all circumstances. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yes, ma'am, I am prepared to place my breakfast order. May I have a steaming bowl of salty tears? This is Wretched Radio, Breaking Bread, our brand new production here at Wretched, where I get to have a meal and discuss stuff with smart guys. Now, we wanted to take that concept and make it actually sound Christian, so we call it Breaking Bread, because that's more biblical, and we talk theology, and we talk about the Bible, and we talk about the church, and we talk about the challenges of growing old. Did that with Steve Lawson. Can't wait for you to see that. It was so helpful. It was so good. Scott Klusendorf, we discussed the life issue. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be having breakfast 
with Tim Challies. We're going to break omelets. And I suspect that I will be filled up more by the tears flowing down my cheeks than I will by any of the food that gets delivered to our table. Don't know if you knew this, but Tim Challies, the biggest Christian blog site on the globe, lost his son a little over a year ago. His 20-year-old son studying at Boyce College to become a pastor while playing with a bunch of other students dropped, dropped to the ground and they were never able to revive him and he died. The end, 20 years old. And if you followed Challies.com, you read some of Tim's very transparent emotions about what he was feeling. I mean, wow, does he do the body a service with his willingness to be transparent and say, here's, here's how I'm processing it, here's how I'm going through it, here's how I'm doing it biblically. Well, he's taken some of those essays, added a bunch more, and he's written a brand new book, which is not available, which is a super big drag because I've read it, and it is, it is one of the most hopeful and horrible books combined. I, 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 reading it, you are transfixed because if you're a parent, you think the thought of losing a child. <laughs> so you just buy in to the premise of the book, which is the reality of the Challies family. And you read about the raw emotions of receiving a telephone call from the hospital, from the mortuary. And it is Oh, so hard to do. And tomorrow we're going to discuss his book. It's called Seasons of Sorrow. It's not going to be available at least until the fall, but it will be a book that I'll heartily commend because it will prepare you to go through difficulty, hopefully not the loss of a son or daughter, but it will prepare you to take the doctrine of sovereignty and apply it in such a practical way. Tim, I think, does a stellar job of taking theology and then making it work out itself in the death of his son. It's so helpful. And I just think tomorrow is going to be brutal talking about it. I, 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 if you are not prepared for tragedy, please start studying the doctrine of sovereignty and Another doctrine, theology proper, the character and the nature of God, that he is good, that he is able, that he is faithful. Those are, by the way, are the top three descriptors of God in the Bible. He's good. He's able. He's faithful. Got to study that in conjunction with sovereignty. Otherwise, sovereignty is a big, scary club that could bludgeon you at any moment at the hands of a capricious God. But God is good. He is able. He is faithful. And so he sovereignly works all things together. Amazing. Paul Todges, biblical counselor, sent out an email. I'm on his list somehow. And he was quoting a story from Jerry Bridges. Can't recall the name of the book. Sorry. But Jerry Bridges. So this is me recalling Paul Todges, recalling Jerry Bridges, Recalling his grandparents. Are we all tracking with this? This is this is like we need some sort of, what's the name of the blood thing to see how we're all related here? The story was that the biscuits that his grandmother would make, 
they would have the different ingredients, egg, raw egg, of course, and flour and whatever else they put in the batter. Now, would you eat any of those elements as is? Would you eat flour? No. Would you eat a raw egg? Probably not, unless you're a vegan of some sort, but it's not the most pleasant thing to consume. But when you put all the ingredients together, you mix them around and you put the compilation into a fire, what is the result? Something that is totally pleasing and good. That's the doctrine of sovereignty. God is good. God is sovereign. God controls everything. God is faithful. God loves his children. Put that into a bowl. Wa and la, you've got the biscuit of sovereignty baked rightly, and it is oh so pleasant because of the other theological ingredients that we must discuss when we're talking about the doctrine of sovereignty. If you happen to be going through a hard time right now, do not be confused. God is not angry at you if you are in Christ. God is not punishing you for your sins if you are in Christ. He is a loving Heavenly Father, and He is discipling you via discipline. And while it's hard, it is good, because that's all God ever does for His children is good. So I'm at the Chalice.com website. Read this. Thankfully, this is not the emotional oomph of Tim's transparent talk about the loss of his son. Nevertheless, I thought that this was helpful for parents in how they're raising their kids and what they're doing with their kids. Will you be able to bequeath to them if you die before them, and hopefully you do, will you be able to bequeath to them these things? Tim Challies wrote a Christian father's last will and testament. In the name of God, I, being of sound mind and body, bequeath to my children the small store of wealth and the few possessions I've been able to accumulate over a lifetime of labor. I divide these equally among my children and ask them to accept it all with my privilege. No, it's actually blessings. To keep it or to give it away as they see fit. Now, that's the end of the will regarding stuff and money. You Divide it up. Do whatever you want to do with it. I'm out. Of infinitely greater value, Tim writes, I bequeath to them all the fervent prayers that I've made for their salvation and sanctification. Prayers I began to pray before they were born and continued to pray until the day of my death. Can you bequeath that to your, to your children? If not, start today. Just start today. Don't say, well, it's too late. They're 13, 15, 17. Start today. Pray for the salvation of your children. Pray for their sanctification. Pray that they will endure. I bequeath to them the Christian religion that has encouraged and sustained me for so many decades. This is the faith that has given me so much joy and comfort since Christ became my Lord and Savior. The faith they heard from my lips and the faith they learned by my example. I trust that it will bless them every bit as richly as it has me. Are you bequeathing that to your children? It continues, I bequeath to them the love of a father who, though imperfect, loved them truly and purely, who loved them in a pale but purposeful imitation of the perfect love of the perfect father. Mom and dad, can you bequeath that to your children? 
flawed, certainly. And if you're thinking, well, it's too late for that because I haven't been the greatest mom or dad. Start today and don't delay. I bequeath to them the hope that they may imitate whatever is in whatever in me was true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and worthy of praise. And equally, I bequeath to them the hope that they may eschew any errors I made, that they may avoid the sins they saw in me, that they may be holier and godlier than their father ever was. You bequeath in that? That's, that's the, that is the prayer that should be a passionate plea on the part of parents. Wow, was that alliteration squared. Are you bequeathing these things to your children? Are these the important things? Remember, we had one little paragraph about stuff. The rest is about God and, 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 and the heritage that we want them to have. There, there's so many studies that we're losing the kids. It's, it's worthy of our consideration. Why is it that kids aren't going to church? They don't see it as important. Well, they probably didn't see it as important in their parents, and they are just modeling because the fruit rarely falls very far from the tree. I bequeath to them the sure confidence of a glorious family reunion when their pilgrimage, like mine, comes to an end, and together we shall meet again to inherit riches innumerable and eternal. And finally, I bequeath to them the one possession that symbolizes all of this, the Bible we read through so many years of family worship. May it remind them of the days we gathered as a family to read and pray, and may it continue to be a lamp to their feet and a light to their path that illuminates the way to heaven. End of will. Maybe, just maybe, all of us need to consider well today. What are we bequeathing to our children? This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Now, here's a sign of what's to come. A school board in Massachusetts has been accused of violating state law and the Constitution for refusing to allow a new private Christian school to open because of the school's religious beliefs about sexuality and evolution. State law in Massachusetts requires that private schools be approved by the local school district, a policy that should be changed because a private school is just that, private where parents usually don't agree with or desire to adhere to the lies of public schools, so they voluntarily send their kids to private school. What right does a public school board have in telling a Christian what to believe or what to teach? Yeah, it's unfortunately a sign of what will increasingly continue in society. In this next story, I'm, I'm really at a loss here. Gen Zers, if this is a true representative of your generation, then there is a lot of work to do. A 21-year-old mother-to-be ready to go into labor, so she calls the dad-to-be. And he sprang into action. Grab the go-back. Check. Grab mom. Put her in the car. Check. And the Xbox television and headphones. Check. Yep, this guy brought his Xbox to his child's delivery. Because apparently the birth of his firstborn wasn't enough to keep his attention. Look, if your video game addiction is so bad that you cannot give the birth of your child your undivided attention, you've got a serious issue. An appeals court in Ohio has ruled that Oberlin College must pay a record $31 million to a 135-year-old mom-and-pop bakery. Why? 
It appears the college falsely accused the bakery of racism in 2016 when, get this, the bakery owner confronted three students from the school who stole wine from his store. And the three students just happened to be black, and because the bakery owner confronted these three, he obviously must be racist, according to the dean of the college. Well, the bakery owner did not take it lying down. He filed suit and was awarded more than $40 million in 2019. That figure was later reduced to $31 million, and a three-judge panel upheld that ruling this week. Good for them. Well, the atheist group Freedom From Religion is demanding that the city of Elizabeth, Tennessee, remove a 72-year-old cross which is displayed on government property. Oh, it's on government property. We can't have taxpayer funds being used for the upkeep and maintenance of a cross. That would be irresponsible. But advocating for taxpayer funds being used to murder innocent unborn babies? Yeah, that's okay. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. An apostle is a messenger sent from God. The apostles were granted power and authority to establish the New Testament church. There are no apostles living today. But just as the early church dedicated themselves to the apostles' teachings, so we dedicate ourselves to their teachings, which have been recorded in the New Testament. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Here's something juicy we're not going to talk about. This is Wretched Radio. Tip, if somebody approaches you and says, Dude, have you heard? Chances are, dude, you're going to hear some gossip. If somebody says, I got something juicy, I know the dish, the down low on this. Be careful. You might want to just stick your fingers in your ears and run away screaming, because you're going to hear some gossip and we should not listen to gossip. We need to do better than the world that loves gossip. There is, you know, I'll tell you, um, both Fox, CNN, all of them, they they tend to be their gossip machines in that. You only hear one side of the story or you merely hear the accusations or an expert who thinks and we don't get the other side. We don't get any adjudication. So we don't know what really happened. So we're just getting filled with a lot of information that we probably shouldn't be listening to because we are not to be those who participate in gossip. Why? Well, first of all, Typically, when we gossip, there are bad motivations behind it. We feel better or in the political realm, we tend to feel safe. You hear a story, an accusation made against a politician you're not nuts about. How do you feel? Oh, good. Maybe this will tear them down. So there, there, there can be some fear that causes us to have a great deal of interest in what is so far only an accusation. Now, let's just say that it does get adjudicated and a verdict is rendered can we talk about it then and the answer is maybe maybe if we have something to say if we don't use it in a way to besmirch somebody's reputation because i think that's one of the bumpers that god has put around his believers when it comes to what we talk about a good name how would you feel if your last name were iscariot you'd be like uh no i don't want i don't want that name and that's because it's biblical. A good name is highly prized. It is to be sought. A name, a reputation, a moniker on a family is an important thing. 
And you and I are commanded not to trivialize that and not to go about the business of besmirching somebody by sharing what is merely an accusation. For instance, I hold in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers, headline X, not going to tell you who, X, under investigation by Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Report claims. Oh, all right. So this guy is under investigation, according to a report. What do I do with that? Well, right now, I, well, I just tried to throw it in the garbage, but typically missed. Uh, I just go, well, let's see how that plays out. Because I don't know the other side of the story. And even though the guy is a total charlatan, I still can't use this to go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, see what I, yeah, typical, isn't it? We want to be, we want to be people who don't consume tabloid journalism. And it can come even in theological forms. We just want to do better when it comes to what we consume. Now, Is there anything from this particular story that we could talk about without talking about the person who's being accused that would be helpful? I think so. So, for instance, this little headline here from the Washington Times. Scandal, secularism, eroding trust in America's pastor. Survey says 57% of Americans somewhat agree that a pastor is a trustworthy source of wisdom. (laughs) 57%. That means a lot of people don't. It it used to be higher. What has happened? I think the headline is partially correct. Scandal. They read about another high-profile minister who falls, bites the dust, does something illegal, criminal, wicked, awful. And what 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 impression are they left with? Social media plays into that, but nevertheless, that's the world we're in. So when a pastor takes a tumble, it is very bad for the church. Pastor, if you're on the brink of taking a tumble, and you know it, get out now before you fall and besmirch the name of the Lord and lower the reputation of pastors, which is taking a beating these days. I think there are more reasons for it than just scandal, although I I don't have a scientific study to prove it, but I think one of the things that has been so detrimental to the trust that a nation doesn't have in pastors is the way that pastors have been presenting themselves now for decades. It started with Hawaiian shirts untucked, and it just got more casual after that than that morphed into let's be cool. That's right. I do think that attire is important. And when a pastor presents himself like a hipster or like he's just trying to be relatable, not exactly in the job description for pastors in 1 Timothy and Titus chapter 2, Titus 1. Where's hipster? What is where's worldly in the job description for a preacher? In fact, they're not to be worldly. They're not to look like the world. They're, they're to look serious. I always envision just a tragedy of some sort happening. It's in an airport, and somebody, they, they fall down, and they, 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 they are fearing that for their life. They're having a heart attack or a simulation of it, and they, they, they are scared. And Pastor Groovy 
hovers over them and says, yo, dude, hey, what's up? Having a good time today. Hey, did I tell you about the vacation we took? Telling you, driving with the kids in the van. It makes you nuts, right? Have you ever said, well, I'm going to turn this thing around. I never thought I'd talk like my parent. I don't think that that fellow is going to be very receptive to Pastor Groovy and his shtick. And even if that particular pastor decided to be earnest in presenting the gospel, providing comfort if the person is a believer, I got to tell you, when it comes from a source that appears to not be very serious about the importance of following Jesus Christ, I, I don't... I don't think that person is going to be as thrilled to see Groovy Guy as opposed to a pastor who presents himself as a man of God. A man of God is a distinct title. Be a man of God. Imagine a different scenario. Somebody's going to a Groovy church. And they, let's say it's one of these big mega churches and Pastor Hipster is up slinging his nonsense. And they get the phone call. Your, your child is lost. Your child is missing. Your child has run away. Your child has died. Are they going to pick up the call and phone and call Pastor Cool? I doubt it. Why? Because of the way that pastors have been presenting themselves. Frankly, too often as boys. Back to the article from the Washington Times, nearly a quarter of Americans say they're unsure about the trustworthiness of pastors. What? With, 20, with 21% of Christians doubting the clergy, and only 21% of pastors say their congregation very much see them in a trustworthy light. What's going? Now, there's some good men out there. There's some earnest fellows. And that, that they're in the 21%. The rest of the country, they ain't buying it. The minister oftentimes was seen, this is, this is from Adam Greenway, president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, commenting in the Washington Times article, minister oftentimes was seen as a leader of the community. He was often one of the most educated individuals in the community, and he was seen as a sort of an influencer and an authority figure. That's true. But I think there's more that has eroded the esteem of pastors. There's got to be more to it. Is it possible that when we deliver trifles to people that they think we're a trifle? More reasons why we do not have a whole lot of respect for pastors these days is because of a story like this. Just trying to determine if we should follow our own guides for discernment and talking. This is true. We know this to be true, but it does seem a little heartless to talk about it. So let's just leave the person's name out of it of a very of of probably the most high profile, influential, heretical churches in the world. the The wife is sick, and they're calling on the church to pray. And if anybody is thinking because of the promises that this organization makes that, oh, healing is guaranteed because of the resurrection, because of the atonement, your stripes, the, the Jesus took it, so you don't have to have any diseases. Do you think that people maybe put two and two together and go, uh, wait a second, physician, heal yourself. Why, why do you wear glasses? 
prosperity preacher who teaches health and wealth. Why, why are you getting sick and old? Why are you becoming infirm? Why do you have to step down? Why are you going to die like everybody else? And they conclude there's a disconnect. And all that does is undermine the authority of pastors. And worse than that, it besmirches the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Time to be earnest, Pastor. This is Wretched Radio. There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have. Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families who had to escape. Our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the needs of those families. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. Pretty unlikely that you can visit Ukraine to help those brothers and sisters, but there are hands and feet on the ground, the Tomorrow Club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in Ukraine. To learn more about how you can help and support the Tomorrow Clubs, who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism, learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. And now, a story from Dr. John MacArthur. When I began preaching many years ago, expositional messages, they started circulating the earth on cassette tape. Pretty soon, I started getting invitations from places all around the world to preach there. And people said, we haven't heard preaching like this. Can you teach us how? And eventually, they would say, can you stay and start a school and train our pastors? And now it's developed into maybe 35 different places where the graduates of the Master Seminary have now set up training schools to train pastors around the world. And it's expanding to the point where I think we have 50 cities waiting for us to come and do the same thing there. Specifically waiting for you to consider adopting a seminary overseas. Master seminary graduates equipping men to fill pulpits and rightly divide the word of truth. It's a magnificent ministry. Encourage you to learn more and consider supporting the Master's Academy International at wretched.org slash pastor. Revelation How can anyone know God unless he reveals himself? If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God 
and we can be brought into right standing with him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's talk politics, shall we? This is Wretched Radio. If you're from North Carolina, chances are pretty good. You know the Attorney General, and you know that currently he's under fire because something that he and his wife did before they were Christians is now being brought into the light and used to besmirch this pro-life Surgeon General, Attorney General, pretty much the same thing, of North Carolina. He sat down with his wife to do a video, and I got to tell you, I don't know the fellow. I I don't know his theology, but I got to tell you, I know when I hear a really honest, transparent confession from a couple who had an abortion, describing it as sin and encouraging people to find forgiveness in Jesus. Now, if you're from above the Mason-Dixon line, you're going to find this a little bit startling. Down south, y'all, politicians talk about their faith. They have to. They have to attend church. They have to invoke the Bible. Otherwise, you, you just ain't one of us down here in the Bible Belt. Here is Mark Robinson. I'm Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson here with my wife, Yolanda. In recent days, a Facebook post I made 10 years ago has resurfaced where I referenced paying for an abortion. Over 33 years ago, before we were married and before we had kids, we had an abortion. It was the hardest decision we have ever made. And sadly, we made the wrong one. This decision has been with us ever since. It's because of this experience and our spiritual journey that we are so adamantly pro-life. We know what it's like to be in that situation. And we know the pain that an abortion causes. For everyone that has had this experience and carries that burden, we want you to know you are not alone. Furthermore, we have a Savior who forgives us of our sins. What is this politician talking about? Salute to Mark Robinson saying something that many pastors are want to actually speak about. If you've had an abortion, Jesus is an amazing Savior. He's way bigger than your sins. He excels in forgiving the worst of the worst, and you can be counted a child of God, not a second-class Christian, but as a full-fledged child of God because of Jesus Christ. Pastor, please announce that to your congregation. It is almost certain that you have women and men sitting in your congregation who have indeed experienced an abortion, and they are... They're, 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 they're Linus, Pigpen, one of the Snoopy characters, Charles Peanuts, whatever the thing was called. The guy that walked around with the cloud swirling behind him, I think it was Pigpen. That's what a lot of people feel like inside of the church. This will not give people license to go perform an abortion. No, it will offer comfort to them if they've had an abortion. It offers us grace. No one is perfect but no one is too far gone to be saved. Mm. We felt the need to speak with you directly because this issue transcends politics. Amen. Our hope is that by telling our story, that it may change the lives of others. To everyone who has reached out to show us and our family support, thank you, and may God bless you all. Good on him. That was bold. 
That was courageous with his wife sitting at his side. This is not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. In fact, got to tell you, virtually everything that we're seeing in our culture, in my opinion, is indeed just that. And we can miss the point of what's really going on if we don't think in spiritual terms as opposed to political, socioeconomic terms, cultural terms. But we're, 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 we're going to miss the boat. We, 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 we can't, can't not bring our Bibles to bear on a subject. Uh, in this current culture, it just the conversation just goes, it explodes. Have you seen a pleasant conversation on the internet these days between a liberal and a conservative? You know, maybe to a degree, sort of, but not often do you see that. These are spiritual issues. CRT is a spiritual issue. Abortion is a spiritual issue, which is why, by the way, if you're one of the people who supports preborn ministries, that's what they know that too. That's why their slogan is saving babies, saving souls. They must preach the gospel to these people because that's the only thing that can stop the cycle of abortion. I think we need to we need to perhaps take a cue from the Attorney General of North Carolina and think about how we engage on these issues with the Bible. More political news. This one, not so good. <laughs> no, downright infuriating. That's really what this particular article is from. This comes from Daily Wire. President Joe Biden invokes God to explain why parents should affirm trans identity. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't, sir. <laughs> the audacity. Here's the story. To everyone celebrating, this is the president speaking. This is the president. Okay, here it is again. What does the president need? Does he need a lecture from an economist to persuade him that it's better to be a, a capitalist who believes in the understanding of trickle down and it's not privilege, it's blessing? Does he need that? Yeah, he, he needs that. Is he going to buy that? No. He needs a heart transplant. He needs a removal of his corrupt, wicked, sinful heart. Oh, I know this is the president of the United States we're talking about, but how else can you describe somebody who works almost tirelessly to support abortion, to take the lives of children, and to promote this sort of evil abuse of children? This is just wickedness in high places. He needs the gospel. He needs to be saved. It's the only chance that he has. He said this, the president, presumably the most powerful man in the world, to everyone celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility. So the president took time out of his schedule to make one of the little videos to talk to a particular con constituency. I wonder if he does that with anything that happens to be Christian. Nevertheless, he said, I want you to know that your president sees you. Jill, Kamala, Doug, must be her husband. Our entire administration sees you for who you are. Made an image of God. It's actually in the image of God, and deserving of dignity, respect, and support. 
unless, of course, you don't agree with this, then we are going to shame you. Sorry, I added that part, but seems like that would be the appropriate thing to say. That's your commander in chief. We got you citing Genesis 127 that we are made in the image of God. Have you read all of Genesis 127 lately? This is an example of who shoots Bob, but it's also a whole lot of bad exegesis because he didn't even read the full context of the verse. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20. We'll start at 26. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over oil in the ground. Sorry, I added that part. And over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God, verse 27, created man in his own image. That's the part our president quoted to give an endorsement to what do they call it? Transgender Identity Day or something? Transgender Day of Visibility. Hmm. But the verse goes on. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You added that part, too. No, I did not. <laughs> right there. <laughs> right there in the Bible. Male and female. The end. There's, 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 there's a difference. God determined it. There are two genders. He settled it. And for the individual who thinks that they're a third gender or the wrong gender, it's their thinking that is wrong. That's the way we used to approach the subject. No, your thinking is wrong. Your emotions are wrong. We need to fix your thinking, not fix your body, if you will. The President of the United States invoking God and misquoting scripture. Which one is worse? <laughs> well, they're, they're both pretty bad, if you ask me. The administration is standing up for you against all of these hateful bills. There it is. If you are opposed to children having their body parts altered because they're temporarily confused, you're hateful. If you don't want these things discussed with third graders, you're hateful. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. Oh, boy, mom and dad. On the playing field. Hmm. So I guess having men participate in women's sports somehow works in this darkened mind. At work, in our military, and our housing and health care systems, everywhere, simply everywhere. That's a, that's a darkened mind. That's, that is, that is a, an unregenerate individual. Can we get agitated with this? Yeah, hopefully righteously. But what this man needs more than anything, the gospel. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>